Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Joining me tonight in place of my co-host, Corey Walsh, is Zach Weiss of Across the Cavs. What's going on, my brother? Hey, Mac. Great to be back. We're talking Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. It's August 23rd. RIP and happy birthday to the great Kobe Bryant and to Cavs legend Seth Curry. Among many great birthdays in the NBA world, go to Basketball Reference, check it out. Kobe, Devin Vassell, P.J. Washington, Yusuf Nurkic, Pat Garrity, Rick Smith. The list is fire. And Darren Collins. See, this is why I love having Zach on, because this is literally a walking Cavaliers thesaurus right here. This man is on his shit. He knows his Cavs history. That's part of the reason why we all know and love Zach. So, dude, you know, we're still about two months away from the start of the regular season. And obviously, you know, preseason, it'll be around here before we know it. But it still feels like a a, a damn eternity has to pass by before we actually get to see the brand new product on the court uh, and, and get to watch this, this, this team that we call our favorite in the Cleveland Cavaliers. How are you managing to pass all this time by? Yeah, so I will give a big shout-out. We talked about this before the recording. Big shout-out to Marvel, man. I uh, went to see Spider-Verse, the new one, on June 2nd. And after that, I decided I wanted to watch the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Finally, I've heard so much about them. I didn't know, and I wanted to make sure I watched them all in order. So first, I watched the Garfield Spider-Man movies because I had to cover all my bases after Toby. And unfortunately, I didn't realize how many movies I had to watch in order to get to the Holland movies. I looked at the Marvel order and there's like 25 projects included with the Spider-Man. So I've done the whole thing. I did all of phase five after doing all of phase four and phase three, caught up on everything now, going through the Defender saga right now. And obviously we talked about the unfortunate reshaping uh, when Disney took over. So it kind of got canceled. But it's been incredible. There's still more to come. I think I'll finish in time for Cavs season. And from there, man, we cancel plans and say, give me Cavs or give me an early night of sleep. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I mean, that's literally about all you can do. There's not enough Marvel projects out there to really, uh, you know, just pass through the time. But I'm glad you're able to fill some of it up. It's yeah, been fun. Uh, yeah, I hope you're enjoying your journey there as well. As you guys, you know, you, you see my new setup back here. I finally have my own space to record in. You know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Iron Man fan. So you will continuously see things shuffled in and out on my back wall back here. Maybe some calf stuff from time to time, but no, this is a wall fully dedicated to Iron Man. <sighs> that said, my friend, the last time we got on here, I think we talked about a lot of the options that the Cavs had available to them right up to the start of the free agency period now obviously a lot of shit has changed a lot of a lot of stuff has happened since then um i say all that to say you know all the acquisitions that we made we were able to um facilitate a sign and trade for max struess you know a a sharpshooting wing who was a key player for the miami heat these past two seasons they were able to sign george niang another sharpshooter from philly two two players who should definitely help this spacing out in this uh in this rotation they also acquired damian jones a guy who i still think has some untapped potential i'm getting up there around 27 28 i believe but i just think the guy needs a chance 
Um, and then they were able to do one of the things that I was hoping they were able to um, prior to the start, and that's retain Karis LeVert, a guy who took a lot of shit last year, um, got a lot of flack from Cavs fans and just the NBA world in particular, and ended up rounding around. You know, as inconsistent as he started the season, he started to really things really started to fall in place for him towards the end of the season, and he actually had a pretty decent postseason uh, showing, and he was actually retained on a manageable uh, short-term contract, which I absolutely love. Phenomenal move by uh, Kobe. So with all of that in mind, and that's not even factoring in the addition of Amani Bates via the draft and Craig Porter Jr., uh, undrafted signing. Excellent as well. With all that said, are you satisfied with the moves that have been made thus far? Like if you had to give it a letter grade, what would it be? Probably a B, B plus. The only reason for that is while they did add very good talent, I feel like if you want to really get that perfect A, you have to round out the entire roster, top to bottom, filling every single hole. The important ones, they got Struess, they got Niang, guys, with real playoff experience playing on solid teams with good head coaches in systems that really deployed them properly. They're going to come to another one where they can both do that. Struis in Miami, Niang between Utah and Philly these last couple of years. Indiana in the beginning didn't get as much run. Talk about Damian Jones, a guy that's also been around a lot of winning, uh, starting his career with the Golden State Warriors, getting a ring with them in one of the years against the Cavs. May have two. He's a guy that can shoot the three, doesn't do it a lot, but hit five of seven after the deadline. He and Juan Toscano, who were Laker rentals, ended up in Utah after all the trades that happened. I think both of them got a nice chance to see some run. So I I like what Damian can bring. I don't know that he'll be in the rotation as a regular, but here's the reason for the B+. And, yeah, shout-out Craig Porter led with (laughs) points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals last season. Probably should have been drafted, but I'll take an undrafted guy over a 59-60 overall because they always get more opportunities when they first get to the league. They usually get those significant chances. And Amani Bates, man, that video today was great. Looking at him just knock down shots, show comfort level. And he's doing this not against summer league guys. No disrespect to summer league guys. He's doing this against roster guys on a team that was a winner of over 50 last year, projected to do so again. So the reason for the B-plus, Mac, to round this out is that they didn't fully address the big man situation. I do like Damian Jones, but he's just the Robin Lopez replacement. I still don't know for sure that in a must-win game, they go anyone besides Evan and Jarrett that's above 6'8". And I feel like come buyout market time or come trade deadline, maybe – they with the excess of wings they do have depending on what direction they want to go they can make a trade or free up a roster spot and go get someone that can space the floor knock down a few jumpers but most importantly rebound and protect the rim so you know as of right now Cavs have 16 total contracts that's 13 actual rostered players and three two-way contracts i believe uh between the acquisitions um, we did get a bit of interesting news the other day that former Cavalier JaVale McGee could become available after the Mavericks plan on um, stretching and waiving his contract. And I think they have until the end of the week or to the yeah, start 31st. of next week to do so. August 31st for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so they have the opportunity possibly to bring him back. Is that a name that you'd possibly think about um, in, in filling up that hole? Absolutely, man. JaVale McGee, when he was on the Cavs in 15 minutes a game, averaged eight and five with over an assist. He did make a couple of threes. He's had some nice (laughs) 
dribble highlights. But the thing about JaVale, it's kind of funny. He came into the league as a super athlete. His mom, just such a legend in the sports world. So that's kind of where his story started with her. He came in. He's a guy that's, what, 19 in the NBA, throwing down massive dunks, blocks, a highlight reel. But within a couple years, ends up getting traded for Nene, goes to a different situation in Denver, disagrees a bit with George Carl. His minutes fluctuate, becomes Shaq's number one enemy, and all of a sudden he's a fool who doesn't know the game. I mean, yeah, he graduated high school near the, I believe, near the top of his class. He's very smart off the court. He's a guy that gets in now. When he was on the Cavs, man, I loved him as a high-low facilitator. Top of the key, he had the ability to get down and finish. He had a great hook shot. He's active on the glass. He was a great law partner from Delhi, from Darius, and from Colin, among others. Larry Nance and him also had a couple of nice connections. And, yeah, it was only half a season, but I really valued having him around. And I feel like when the Cavs had him and then Hartenstein, uh, who he got traded for that year, they had an, an unlocked piece of the offense with the center making plays a bit. They really haven't had much of that in comparison since. So I'd love a JaVale or a JaVale type if they can't actually get JaVale. Because waivers, I guess we'll see where the Cavs' priority lies if he clears. But I think he would be a really cool guy to bring back. For you. Obviously, I'll have a New Jersey number this time, as Ricky did his second time. But he can bring a lot of value as a lob finisher, as a rebounder, and just another guy with experience in both L.A. and Golden State. And playing with Luca and Kyrie last year did get, even though he didn't play that much, another good taste of a great backcourt. So he's ready to play with a Donovan Darius style backcourt for a few minutes a game too. From now. yeah, I think it'd be, I, I think it would behoove them to do. I mean, especially considering the the free agent market right now for bigs is kind of dried up. Um, you just kind of look at some of the options out there. You still have. You know, former Cavalier Tristan Thompson is <laughs> still floating around out there. Boogie Cousins, Serge Ibaka, uh, types like that. There are players available. It's just about how comfortable the Cavs would feel using one of their remaining roster spots on them if it's not a guaranteed lock uh, for the rotation. I, I get it. Like, we're talking about the 14th and 15th spots here, so it's probably more so depth than anything, but – um, I, I honestly, I'm with you on this. Like the only thing that stops this from being like just a phenomenal a, a to a plus off season for me right now, especially factoring in the, you know, the draft cap, not the draft capital, the, um, the cap space, really the assets available. Kobe did the best. I feel like that he could have. The only other thing that I would like to see added to this roster is additional depth at that four or five spot. Preferably a floor stretcher, but if we can get somebody who can come in and rebound, play some defense, catch some lobs, feel great about that. Um, that could end up being Damian Jones, but as of right now, he is not a proven option. I think there are, the Cavs should, should still be scouring the market in, in search of one of those. But uh, Only they can get Lamar Stevens back, man. I <laughs> missed him already. Hope, hope Boston pulls the trigger on at least a two-way yeah. at the minimum. I think he could benefit there. And he could be as a potential temporary Grant Williams replacement, kind of like how Noah Vonley saw some minutes to start last season in that center spot. Very different players, but a guy that may be overlooked by many, gets in the system, makes a roster, and just gets on the court. He could really help them. Yeah, I, but. I, was, uh, I was talking to one of the NBA player development uh, coaches who works closely with Lamar, uh, Henry Wu, uh, Wu Jr., and he was just – consistently i've 
tried to maintain an open line of communication between him in, in hopes that I might one day get Lamar on the show. But um, everything that I hear from Henry indicates that he has consistently tried to work on that three-point shot, and we know that's the one thing that has always held him back because the dude is a dog. You know, he will compete on the defensive end. Uh, he'll go out there and and give you some hard-fought physical minutes. But really, without that three-point shot, that's the one thing that's continuously uh, hindered him. I, I also hope that Boston gives him an opportunity because if it's anybody who can figure them out, figure him out, it's probably them. Um, maybe they turn him into a Grant Williams type. You never know. Uh, but we'll see. I hope he lands on his feet. Me too. That said, my friends, uh, you start to look at the way the 2022-2023 season ended, and there's just a lot to take stock of. Um, the Cavs over the past two seasons, they have a record of 95-69. and 69. I don't think a lot of people realize that. They've actually been really good these past couple of seasons compared to where they were prior to that. <laughs> uh, and, and a lot of credit should go to J.B. Bickerstaff, and we'll get to him in a little while. But when you just look at it, 21-22 was considered to be an unexpected leap by many pundits as many expected them to, you know, expected them not necessarily to, to finish even close or remotely in playing territory, let alone send two guys to the all-star game, which was held in Cleveland, by the way, maybe that helped. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, the Cavs went out and acquired Donovan Mitchell in the off season and the timeline was altered to agree um, for the first time since LeBron was in town, there were real expectations heading into the 2022, 23 season. Uh, make no mistake. There were and still are in many respects, a work in progress, but adding Mitchell, uh, Mitchell meant that many of us were expecting playoff basketball. And, bro, you know, Zach, we got it, but it did not turn out the way that we thought it would. The Cavs got absolutely manhandled and were ousted in five games. That series, bro, that, that series put on full display all the holes that we have. Um, all of that considered. I'd like to think that Kobe Altman and company did a wonderful job of patching those holes, sands the big man position. Um, now that we have some roster versatility, what are your expectations for the 2023-24 version of the Cavs? Because I think adding all those pieces, um, adding some of that versatility that was just absent last year, I think that has actually heightened the level of expectations compared to last season. Yeah, so my... Biggest thing with the Cavs will be Dewan Wagner, Mo Williams, Kyrie Irving, and Colin Sexton. <laughs> the two seed, number two. They gotta be the two seed this year. With Why everything. is that though? Oh, all right, so uh, Milwaukee is Milwaukee. If they they will get the one seed, and I don't expect a first round exit next year either. That will absolutely not happen because if it does, you're gonna have even more shakeups, and that's with bringing in a new coach. Milwaukee's got Adrian Griffin Jr., who has the, uh, the vote of confidence from Giannis. They still got Middleton. They still got Drew. They're gonna be healthier next season. I think Jay Crowder bounces out of whatever weird funk he's been in having a real off season. Still got Pat Connaughton. Still got Grayson Allen. They re-signed Bobby Portis again. I'm amazed he's still there. I thought it'd be one year and done for him there. Love what they're doing. They're a one seat. They're gonna be the Cavs' biggest threat, no question. Boston regular season. Two years ago, when they went to the finals, they were bad until the what the 42-43 game mark. Might have even been the 50 game mark. Took them a long time to get going. Last year was great. Why was it great? Marcus Smart. They traded Marcus Smart. 
Why else were they good these last couple of years? Grant Williams, ability to shoot, play defense, do it all, and to I'm gonna make both once every eighty two. <laughs> no disrespect. He is a great player, and he's he's owned up. Look, they make mistakes. He absolutely deserved that four year deal from Dallas. I'm very excited to see him start. Maybe with Derek Lively, they got a fun team over there for sure in Dallas. But they lost him too. They replaced them with a guy named Kristaps Porzingis. Not clowning him. He is a actually. I feel like he's become underrated with the Wizards. He used to be talked about as this great guy, great shooter, whatnot. Gets traded from the Knicks to the Mavericks while still out. Takes a bit to make his debut. He does. It doesn't work out. So then they just ship him off to Washington. You ever see that movie? The meme? Detroit. Send him to Detroit. No, not Detroit. <laughs> That's probably how Kristaps felt going to Washington. But honestly, he revived his career. Probably good for him. Very good for him. He could be a 20-point scorer, an 8-9 rebound guy. He was solid. I saw him in person once last year, uh, Wizards Nets. He looked good. He's comfortable. He played, uh, I think, 67 games. Which someone told me it was more than Marcus Smart. I haven't uh, verified that. But he's already got plantar fasciitis. Uh, sorry, some, some ankle injury, lower body injury. It's going to cost him four to six weeks. He's not going to play more games. You, you, he is the one replacing the production of both Grant and Marcus. You lose Gallinari, who never played. Malcolm Brogdon has some serious injury concerns right now. And while I do still like their lineup, I think it'll end up being like Derek White, Jalen Brown, uh, Tatum, and then what, Horford, Rob, or Kristaps, Rob, or, or Horford, whatever. They lose a lot of versatility because Smart could play one to four. I'm dropping them below the two. I think they're at three, four now. I think that the other team that's ahead of them, Philadelphia, train wreck right now. Shake Milton left, and he was a great fill-in score, especially at the beginning of last season for them. We took George Niang from them. They lost McDaniels, who was acquired for Thibault, who they're absolutely missing. And Portland, for whatever the heck they're trying to do right now, is going to have a great defense with him leading it, or better than it was with him and him and Jeremy Grant guarding the perimeter wings. So I think Philly's going to take a step back. I'm with the MB drama, and you got Nick Nurse. I, I don't know what he wants to do. They're supposed to trade Tobias. There's that weird crumble cookie comment. I think that was. <laughs> I think that was an ad. Uh, there was he uh, has a partnership with them, so that was like a, an ad. Maury's not earning anyone's respect. They're a mess. So the Cavs will pass them, and really that leaves Miami, who they haven't proven a regular season in two years. This last year they won 44 games. I don't know if they're going to be a regular season team. They lost Truce, but they can replace guys pretty easily. They're supposed to get Dame. Who knows when that happens or what the locker room is like. The Tyler Hero, uh, is he still confident in himself knowing he could be a trade ship? I don't know what's happening there, so I don't trust them. Brooklyn, I think, can be a sneaky team, but they're not better than Cleveland unless they make some kind of other trade to get another star, and Dame won't go there or won't play there. So that's out, and I don't think the Knicks are a better regular season team just for adding DiVincenzo. They traded OB, who I think was the locker room favorite before the Thibodeau blow-up after the playoffs, uh, and he's still playing the wrong guy. Hey, they brought his brother in. <laughs> they brought yeah, his brother weird. in. It's kind of like when the Heat drafted Napier to appease LeBron, he's like, I'm going to Cleveland anyway. And then Napier was kind of stuck <laughs> for a year, then played for six teams in five years. Had his moments. He has a great NBA mixtape. But all of this talking to say, Mac, that – Cleveland got better, stayed out of the headlines. All these other teams moving smart. Sixers drama. Boston obviously messed up. Philly messed up. The Heat, we don't know. And we are, best remember, they were an eight seed. 
The only other team that could maybe sneak into a higher seed could be Atlanta with John Collins gone. They improved their floor spacing. They have great young and veteran talent combined. And they're a team, I think, to watch. But I, I like the Cavs being better than everyone except the Bucks before the playoffs for all okay. those reasons. So, so I'm, I'm very, very grateful that you broke all that down because that puts context on things. And I think that's what's missing a lot of days with takes. Uh, and, and, and with that said, you know, obviously we have seen the Cavaliers improve their win total each of the past three seasons, if I'm not mistaken, 22 wins, uh, 44 wins, 51 wins. And they, like you said, they have us projected in many outlets at winning 50, 51 games. That seems to be the standard projection for the Cavaliers across a lot of outlets. And that could very well be the truth. Um, the East is, Starting to look like a beast once more. Um, it is no longer going to be a cakewalk, although there is a lot of upheaval in specific places. Uh, but with that in mind, like you, you start to look at a couple of different things here. One, J.B. Bickerstaff. There were so many people calling for this man's job uh, earlier on in the offseason when there were a ton of head coaches available. Um, <laughs> I think we even talked about it a little bit the last time we were on. Uh, but for me, I am of the mindset, and this is what I'm going to ask you to clarify here in a moment. I am of the mindset that the Cavaliers roster at this point in time, especially in regards to the stars, I think that they are no longer going to be judged on those increased win totals in the regular season. I think there are real playoff expectations here. So my question for you, my friend, is, is that that expectation, that expectation for a two seed that you have? Does it go past – does your expectation go past the regular season? Do you have a real expectation for the postseason? Yeah. So first and foremost, just get there. Injuries happen. It kept the Cavs out the year prior. They really should have won 47 or 48 ended up yeah. being 44. But it is what it is. They handled the season very well considering they had two different stretches without without their bigs when Topo was starting. Yes. But Rubio going down. You had Colin. I'm mean, just so much. The Rubio yes. injury was horrible because it was only what a week before that he had, a week or two before he had that MSG breakout. And I think the MSG breakout happened the day we lost Colin for the season. If yeah. I'm also remembering that, it was it was brutal. Ricky was carrying my fantasy team too, uh, <laughs> but but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I think there has to be a playoff expectation with that because you're finishing as the two. You're moving up, up, up. The big thing with Utah and Donovan's time was that they had a one seed. They had many top four finishes. They had the, the bubble saw him turn into, into a god out there. Like <laughs> Over 30-plus points per game. He, he was summoning the Bifrost to just go across the universe. <laughs> he was, he, I don't know where he was getting this scoring ability from during the, these times where no one could do anything but be on their own except for when they're playing and practicing. He went nuts. The thing is, they still lost in the first round. They had a, a one or two. I think they had two first-round exits and three second-round exits in his five years. But there was just so much underachieving. They did everything except go to a conference finals. They were essentially Philly West. And the Cavs brought in him last year. Now they're bringing in another guy who was on the actual Philly, his old teammate in Utah. He's been there for both, George Niang. So they're getting guys that I think are hungry to prove everybody wrong. With Max Truce. We don't. That could be the closest I'll ever get to a title unless they do something these next couple of years. So I'd love to see them come out. Whoever they're playing in the first round, they'll have home court and use it. 
They'll fill the arena. Ahmad and Sean Pebbles will keep everybody crunk the whole game in in person. And when we're, we're, we're watching, we'll get John and AC, maybe Brad, Serena, keeping everyone excited. And that matters. Keeping the fans excited matters. I think it, it's hard sometimes in the playoffs when you fall behind and you're on a cold stretch. It's very easy, even in a close game, for everyone to go quiet. So get off to good starts. Get everyone into it. The one thing with that Knicks series – they, they stayed level for a couple of the games, and yes, we won mm-hmm. game two. But then in game five, they just put themselves behind the eight ball too many times in that one. And then when you go on the road, you have to start strong. You have to play to the crowd. That's how this game works. You can win road games if you can start strong. And if not, you need that one super surge late in games. They have to get past round one by doing that. And I think you don't have to advance in the second round, but if you're getting swept in round two – you're kind of looking at the Dwayne Casey Raptors versus LeBron type situation. There were a few times and there was a conference finals that won six games, but the other years they got swamped. We swamped them. And even after winning a coach of the year, they decided enough was enough. Yes. They won a ring. I don't know if there's a true correlation in there. I might've just been some roster turnover that really got them that ring. But I think you have to be competitive in round two. Depends who you end up facing. You may well see Milwaukee depending on what seed you get. And if that happens, I don't expect much, one or two wins, but a competitive series. Uh, conference finals would be, I think, a, would be higher than, than expected. I think that would go over my projection. I love it. If you can get to that level where you're getting either Kevin Harlan or Mike Breen for every single game, I think <laughs> these players are going to get up for it. And I think that is the experience that some of them are missing because they really have – Struce coming in is important – uh, Mac, and I'll finish out with this uh, because he's really one, the only key rotational piece that's won two playoff series in a year. I think he's going to have a lot of insight from the Heat and the Heat culture because I can't remember too many guys coming from Miami to Cleveland other than obviously LeBron, but he would be in Cleveland right. first. I think he's going to bring the modern Heat culture to Cleveland. And I think that could possibly go a long way. Cleveland culture is going to turn into a thing. Uh, Cleveland culture. So what I'm hearing is second round. That's what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm that's right. For me, has to be. yes, for me, that's exactly where I'm at. You got to advance this second round. It cannot be a first round exit. Or I think, um, JB is probably going to fall on the sword. <laughs> he's probably, he's probably going to get canned if that occurs. And it's interesting that you brought up those Dwayne Casey Raptors, uh, teams because I was having a very in-depth discussion in a space earlier, a, a Cavs related space on Twitter or X now, <laughs> whatever you want to call Twitter. it. Twitter. Well, we have to call it X, I guess, technically legally because that's what it uh, is. But it's it's. But then I always I would say it's X, but I'm still calling it Twitter. That's my yes. comment. There, it will it will always be Twitter to me. It, but it's, I say it's all Cavalier, that. Today. It's Twitter. Sorry, keep going. But there it's you Cavalier go. and it's Twitter. Boom. There you go. Um, so I was in the space earlier referring to, you know, some of the, the mediocrity teams being okay with mediocrity as long as it, as long as it means making the postseason. That is my biggest fear for this Cavaliers team. That's not what I want them to be. So I hope that they're able to kind of shake things up this season. Obviously there were no expectations two years ago. Nobody expected them to make it. There were a little bit more expectations, and the timeline was changed when Donovan arrived. This year, you got you got roster versatility. You have spacing. You really only need depth at the big or maybe a, another playable big, rather. 
And there's going to be true expectations, not only on the roster itself, players, stars from top to bottom, but on the head coach, the front office, everybody is going to have their eyes on this Cavaliers team. Um, I think you have to get to the second round. I think at this point, that's where all signs are heading. Obviously, we do not know what will happen. An injury could occur. Uh, other teams could be facing injuries. There's just any known, you know, a- a- any given factor that could play a role in this. But it's got to be the second round for me uh, in order for me to at least feel comfortable saying that JB should remain the head coach heading into 2024-25. All of that out of the way, man. Uh, This past season, we saw Donovan Mitchell experience career highs in numerous categories. We saw Evan Mobley take a small leap in terms of scoring and efficiency. Uh, We even got some continued improvement from Isaac Okoro from Beyond the Arc, as much as everybody likes to complain about that. Um, Taking a look at this very talented group of players we now have, is there anyone in particular who you feel might be poised for a breakout, uh, who might take that next step or or a small another small leap? So I think the most important player to take any kind of step would be Isaac, just so that we can keep him out of trade talks in case there's some in, enticing guy that they might come in and, and replace him with. He just does so much for the team uh, offensively. Whether uh, Yes, that may sound crazy, but he can slash – he can shoot with confidence. Let's not forget the Brooklyn shot. I think him just being out there, uh, they know they'll always have a guy to kick it to uh, when the time is right. That Brooklyn shot was insane. You can never forget. I, I'm kind of bummed that I had gone to the game a couple days earlier instead of that one. <laughs> and so I was out that night, and I got home just in time to see the I think the last five minutes. So I saw it. I, I sprinted. I was only a five-minute walk from my apartment, but I sprinted to get inside to watch the end. Thank goodness I made it. Um, it was, shit was beautiful, man. That, like, that shot. I, yeah. That, that's up there for me. The other one I remember really, really well and vividly was Rodney Hood misses the jumper. Larry Nance tips it in. The Cavs beat the Pacers. It's kind of up there with that one for me. That was And the Deion Waiter shot versus Detroit because Delhi oh, had yeah. an insane fourth quarter. One of the best games of his career stat-wise. They were down 20 with 10 minutes. They won. So it was up there. Uh, but it, it would be him. But although I'm not sure he's the one that will break out. I think it would have to be Max Struess, uh, the newest member. Mobley's been playing well statistically. Jarrett's been doing the same. Karras, Donovan, and Darius, I don't even know what a breakout would look like, how much the numbers would go up because they're already setting the bar so high. Struess did make 197 threes as you went through. He posted every single three. That's 40 minutes worth of threes, guys. He can shoot. However, <laughs> what we didn't feature, what was not featured in that clip, was that he took more three, a lot more than the year before, yet he only made 16 more. So 197 makes is great. He went from 40% to what, 35, 30, 34 yeah. and a half, I think. And Struess did not join the starting lineup for the Heat until about 15 or 16 games after the Kevin Love trade, which had put him into the starting lineup. So when he did, that's when he got hot. That's when he rode the hot streak into the playoffs and he had one good game in the finals. It wasn't his best, but it didn't matter. He proved his value. And I think for Struess, what improvement would look like, Mac, would be going and becoming a consistent 15-point-per-night scorer, a guy that can shoot 38 39% from three, someone that can join Donovan and Darius in the seven, eight attempts a game range because that's really what the best shooters now are doing. And one of my bold takes for the season 
is that he gets invited to the three-point shootout uh, from a few pods back so on across the Cavs. So I believe he'll be able to do that. He can have this type of breakout. Yes, he'll have his off nights, but I, I see him taking an average of about two threes a quarter over the course of a game. And with his confidence, man, we're going to be getting teams to call a lot of early timeouts <laughs> the way Don and Darius are scoring their own and kicking to them. Man, that highlight we saw earlier of Struess just dunking on Jared Allen is circulating. It's, it's making I'm the airways so now. Bleacher Report just got a hold of it, Zach. And it's, Did they? It's oh, cool. I didn't see yes. Bleacher got it. Bleacher Report just got a hold of it, and they I got a notification about it about an hour ago. And it, it's just been – it's all you see on Cavs Twitter uh, right now. And – I feel bad for Jared because he just can't catch a break. It's like I, I spent so much time time trying to explain to people, hey, I would rather our big man go up and contest the shot and get jammed on than just to let Struess roll. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's a practice. Um, you don't want to see any of these guys get hurt. Uh, I'm glad everybody's okay. I'm also glad that people realize that a six foot five Struess is perfectly capable of dunking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a yeah, new flat. Yeah, wow. in the finals too. <laughs> Yes. Damn. Um, it's like you enjoy John Wall to Bradley Beal. Damn, I never see you act like this before. <laughs> um, that said, man, like obviously Struess is the prized acquisition this offseason. You paid a ton of money. Well, not a ton of money. Uh, you paid him a decent contract uh, in that signing trade, shipping out Jetty. Oh, man, sad to see you go, Jetty. And Lamar, uh, you know, you, you ship them out to get Struess. Now, does that in your mind automatically make Struess the favorite to start at the three? Has to be, man. Uh, last year was kind of a, a whole mix of guys. Karras to begin. And then who was the who was the primary? Last Isaac year? got his Isaac got I think Isaac started most of the game still at right. three. When he was back, when he was coming in in the second quarters to start second quarters, and it wasn't Levert. Who did they sub in? Do, do you remember? I'm kind of blanking right now because I know, I I know Jetty. Of- Jetty got some run. Uh, Isaac got run. Karras got run. I think you know even Lamar got his opportunities to okay. start a few been. games. Okay. Right, so oh, that said, I think yeah, similar to how Lowry got traded, they paid him that money. They put him in the starting lineup right away two years ago, and now Utah's got him really cheap deal for two more years how lucky they are right now as they build their core love love him there's no hard feelings for any of those guys i'm still rooting for them every night and i always every time i get utah folks i'm recalling this across the jazz or the cleveland jazzaliers or the utah Cavs, or whatever they've made 50 <laughs> trades i swear Cavs west coast right yeah they make <laughs> trades together all the time from hood to Harpering to burks to, to D will to not trade. Everyone plays for both of those teams, man. I could go through a whole list. CJ yeah. Miles. And there's a history. It, there's a long history. Obviously, this one. Shout out Colin. Colin got some mob on that from the NBA Instagram. They were posting his workouts the other day. But he has to start. He comes from the Heat who are just in the finals. He wants to make his impression. There's a reason that they gave him this extension. And I'm sure when they were having the conversation with him when he first got here and they're investing that much money, you're already paying Karras. This isn't 2K. You can't just move starters who are making all this money in and out of the lineup and chemistry won't be affected. To at least begin the season, unless the Cavs start horribly, you have to give it at least 15 games, I would say. First 15 games, 
assuming everyone's healthy, it's Darius, Donovan, Struess, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. And then if you see someone else really playing well and you feel like he'll benefit from the second unit, sure. But here's the most important part, and then I'll throw it back to you. Most important part of this signing is that there will probably not be a circumstance in the playoffs where you have to move Levert to the starting lineup because doing that was one of a few things that unfortunately doomed them because it took away a serious bench threat when you're not giving Jetty the run he needs on a game-to-game basis. That's gone. Karras can be your sixth man, and you can trust Drews. Even on an off night, it's his job to fire up shots. And if he's doing it confidently, he can play at least, even on a bad day, those first five or six minutes of each half and then his spot minutes from there. I love that response, man. I think it kind of has to be. I mean, you don't pay a guy that much money and expect him to come off the bench. I mean, some cases that that that's the and, and uh, you know for some players that's the case, but I I just don't see that happening here. I think you want to be able to utilize Levert's skill set off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head there in that postseason series against the Knicks. Um, removing Karras from that second unit just absolutely gutted the scoring production that was available. There's really the only option, right? Like you, you weren't getting consistent production from any of the other reserves. Um, Jetty, Ricky wasn't looking quite like himself and, you know, we're still wishing him the best and, you know, his, uh, you know, leaving and taking a, uh, a leave of absence in regards to mental health concerns. Um, and, you know, on down the line, they just weren't getting consistent production. So removing Levert from the second unit, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You have Niang, there with him uh you know hopefully the added spacing will help Isaac Okoro in terms of you know cutting lanes and maybe he'll you know have a few more opportunities himself but I think you really just have to roll uh roll the dice and and go with Struess uh from day one is there a dark horse candidate to make this Cavs rotation who are not really thinking about right now like could you possibly see the Cavs converting the deal of a Isaiah Mobley or a Craig Porter Jr. and rolling the dice and allowing them a, a potential spot in the rotation? It probably wouldn't happen to me, Mac, at the start of the season. I think anyone that's active on a given night, if it turns into a blowout, JB did what Pop uh, has done many times over the years. He'll pull his entire line a few minutes into the first. If they're getting absolutely decimated, he'll do it in the second. And they'll go to five bench. And usually that means one or two guys in that lineup would be someone that wouldn't normally play. And so that in mind, usually also the first two games of the season, you're going 11 or 12 deep. You're giving everyone a chance. You know that you're not going to run your starters 40 minutes a night first day of the season. No matter who you're playing, it's game one. So we're going to see more players kind of competing for those spots anyway. But I think it would probably be an Amani Bates or an Isaiah Mobley. Uh, keep in mind, Isaiah played two more years in college uh, than his brother, Evan. He's a little bit on the older side. I think he'll turn 24 ahead of the start of the season this year. He had a really good summer league. Uh, he showed his post-touch, ability to shoot the three. It's not the prettiest-looking shot, but it goes in. He's a good playmaker. I, I would trust him defensively for short stretches as much as I trusted Mama D last year in his spot minutes. Kind of wish he was back, and I hope – me too. Uh, someone gives him a chance for uh, preseason so he can at least show something. So I think he's better than the G League, whether he's the NBA or he's in Europe. I'd like him to be playing in a high league. Nothing, not dissing the G League because it's it's the pipeline, but I'd love to see him playing professionally somewhere NBA or above uh, next season. So I do wish him well, but that it's that comparison that I feel like he can come in and play. And Amani Bates, 
I don't care how thin he is. He would not be the first twig to <laughs> get minutes in the NBA as a rookie. And he's going to put on weight. He's got good trainers. He has good support staff. I think the most important thing with Bates right now is this is the most locked in he's been since high school. We know that he was kind of checked out at Memphis. There were some other issues, and he was injured, and his role was undefined. Then he goes to a much smaller school, Eastern Michigan. He's back home again. So he's able to focus a little bit more on the game, and he had the, the reins to kind of just be the guy. And, yes, percentages were down, but his confidence was up. Summer League, his confidence was up. I'm sure in these runs, his confidence is up. I don't think he'll be passing up shots when he steps on the court if he has looks. That, I think, is the biggest thing. And injuries killed him, too. But this is what differentiates Imani Bates from what Dylan Miller was supposed to do yes. with the Cavs. He's healthy right now, most important thing. And he's going to get buckets. It's going to be probably with the charge to begin. But I can see someone goes down, he could be one of the first ones up. And if he plays three minutes and he makes two shots, we were so excited about Danny Green and Sam Merrill doing that last year that we petitioned for them to get playoff minutes. And while it did happen, it didn't go according to plan. But Imani Bates, let's do it, man. I'd love to see him play. I'd love to just start seeing highlight reels of him. I'm really excited to see him get preseason minutes against some of the better guys in the NBA. I think the one thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish my point, these guys were talking about these dark horses, and I don't know if Dean Wade counts as a dark horse, but I think if he's fully healthy, he can be a very effective eighth or ninth man in the rotation. Mm-hmm. I want to see our, our bench guys going against starters in the preseason at some point because that is what's going to tell us how good they are, not how they do against the backups. I want to see our bench going against starters for a few minutes and see what the results, the plus minuses, and the possessions look like because you do that. Then regular season comes, you're doing it for real. They've already done it. They'll prove themselves, and JB will give them those minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think when you just look at the roster in general right now, you're, you're seven of the, I would say, nine to ten rotation spots are already filled. When you look at Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Strews, uh, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, uh, Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, George Niang, so I guess eight. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot, uh, a lot you can really do that you couldn't necessarily do last season. So I'm very interested in regards to Amani Bates. Like, I'm super high on him. Um, I know some are higher than others, <laughs> uh, and think that he should immediately be included within the rotation to begin the season. I'm not there, but I definitely, I want this kid to get some real run. Um, it's something there. There's something special about him, and I think he could very well end up being the steal of that draft. I mean, he he was once regarded as like a top five, top ten prospects. He was that highly touted at one point, and still very young. Um, Raw obviously has some defensive concerns, but he looks locked in, like you said. And if if JB can get him in the building, get him to buy in defensively, man, we could really, really be looking at a steal here. And I'm just I'm I'm very excited about the potential prospects of him. Um, CPJ too, because I think as an undrafted signing, I think he showed a lot. He filled up the stat sheet in summer league. Um, didn't quite get to see him shoot the ball like we really wanted to, because that's one of the things that he didn't necessarily excel at um, at Wichita State, but he did well enough to you know stave defenders off. And then you look at uh, Brobley, uh, Isaiah Mobley. Um, 
very similar to the position that Mamadi Diakite was in last season. I would love to see him, you know, get some spot starts or not necessarily spot starts, but spot appearances uh, here and there to to really see what he can do because we've seen what he can do against G League caliber competition. I really want to see him get consistent NBA minutes at some point in time. And then last but not least, as you mentioned, Dean Wade. So many people, Zach, are down on Dean. Um, I don't get it, but at the same time, it's understandable considering he didn't necessarily leave the, the greatest taste in everybody's mouth the last time we saw him virtually getting played off the floor mm-hmm. uh, against the Knicks. So who knows, man? Uh, he defended <laughs> a high level and his shoulder's fine. I think the big thing with Dean Wade – he just has to stay with it. You know, I think he's someone that really had to earn his way into the league. One of the many undrafted standouts from the cast. He is under contract guaranteed. I think that part, at least it gives him the security. So he will be around. He could end up being a deadline casualty, but I think to start the year, he gives you height. We've seen him play good stretches of defense. And let's remember over his first two seasons, how good they were when he filled in in the starting lineup. I think they won his first four the first year. I think they were somewhere with like eight and one or nine and two over his first 10, 11 starts in the league. So he won't be starting, but he <laughs> could come in and he can make a difference. If he's, if his shoulder's fine, he was one of the three guys that torched the Knicks at the beginning of last season. That guy is still in there somewhere. He's not washed. He's not old. He was just banged up. He's fine now. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Absolutely. Still just 26, 27. Dean's got some a, a lot left in the tank. He's just entering his athletic prime. Uh, that said, man, before we close out here, I just wanted to ask one question, one last question here. Who has the most to prove on this team at the moment? Yeah, so it's really not his fault that he has to prove how good he is again, but I think it has to be Jared Allen because <laughs> I what happened, do it. it's what happens in the playoffs. The lights were too bright. You know, it, it's, 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 it's said it, man. Like everybody, I'm sure. I, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think multiple Cavaliers were feeling this way, but Jarrett was the only one with the guts to actually admit no, it. And I respect that. But because his play was down, he got manhandled by a guy that has no offensive game at all and really just lives to rebound. He went from being the Bismack Biombo type to being the Tyson Chandler type. He wasn't only getting these rebounds. He was dunking that thing every time. <laughs> he was killing us. Because Biombo got paid $72 million for grabbing 28 rebounds against the Cavs once. Thankfully, Mitch yeah. already got paid. I actually would have loved to see the Knicks overpay and end up not being able to pay DiVincenzo. But that's for another time. It has to be Jarrett, man. He's been in trade rumors this summer. He's under contract for another few years. There's talks if Evan should move to center. I'd say no. I talked, I'm not sure if it was with you or if someone else this summer. We talked about if they did make that trade. They'd have to fill another void, which is putting someone big enough to play next to him, and that would create all sorts of issues depending on what they brought back. But I think Jared will be here for another couple of years at the least. I don't expect to see him moved unless there's some kind of playoff issue again. He'll be here for the season. He was an all-star the year prior. Let's not forget he can jam. He does have a nice touch in the mid-range. He's got the floater. He's got the hook. And I'm sure – that he's put the time in this summer to fix what he has to. And it's not, it doesn't mean he's going to dominate Mitchell Robinson next time, but it means <laughs> what it means is that he's not going to get showed up again. I'm very excited for Halloween's and to quote the old failed nets. It's going to be scary hours watching Jared Allen destroy <laughs> Mitchell Robinson on the glass, which his bones are actually made of because he's injured half of every season. I wish him the best. He's injured every season. Jared Allen doesn't miss that many games. 
He hurt his finger because he got poked by a raptor. The raptors love doing that. But I actually hope they do. I'm curious to see what they do this year. No hate. The thing is, and I, this will be my final thing on our final subject, Matt, to kind of bring everything I've said on this episode into perspective, for all the negative things we say about any team, there's a level of professional respect that we know they're doing something we can never do. It's never personal. It's just we want what's best for our team. And when some people get in the way, we feel a certain type of way. So, don't, so fans of any other teams that hear this, don't take this Mitchell Robinson comment as, oh, he's calling us out. Let's, let's be like, <laughs> no. It's like, this is what I think. I watch the games just like you. And I just think my guy is a little better than you give credit because he had a couple of bad games on a big stage once. So, so first off, I just want to say to to the people out there listening, <laughs> don't listen to Zach. He's absolutely shitting on your favorite team. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that said, yes, Jared had a uh, he had a poor series. He did have some decent games, but by his standards that we'd seen him put up in the past two seasons alone. He had a poor showing, as did many other Cavaliers. Um, I, I'm very, very interested to see how he rebounds from that, no pun intended. Um, I, I'm very curious to see how he responds. Um, you know, they'll show you all the offseason highlights you want to see this offseason, but that is just – it doesn't mean anything. We have to see him prove it come postseason. I'd love it. To happen against the New York Knicks again. You don't know how much I want this Cavaliers team to have to face off against those same Knicks because they're virtually the same team, minus OB, uh, you know, with the addition of Dante and our old buddy Dylan Windler, who you just ragged yeah. on. <laughs> no, hey, I like him too. It's just he, he was never on the court. He missed his first season. He got hurt in his debut the year after that. And then he played <laughs> four garbage time games this year. It's tough. It sucked. But it was what it was. Like, I like him. I really rooted for him. I still share the Belmont highlight or the Belmont highlights in that summer league 40 footer that everyone's obsessed with when I get the chance. Free engagements, and who doesn't love that shot? But no, right. I do. Wish him, I wish him the best. And he, like me, he's a September birthday, just like Deli and K Love and JR. Yeah, I love me a good calf September birthday. It's my guy. I do wish him the best. And if he does anything with the Knicks, I will make friends with Knicks fans. <laughs> That's a wink. Hey, Any other listeners? I winked on that. That was a wink. You're a closer to them than I am, so I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you Thirty minutes be. away, man, from from MSG. I mean, I would hope that if they end up having another series like that, you will find a way to make your uh, make your way down there. If they fix the prices, they're pretty bad. <laughs> Seven hundred dollars just to get in last year. I wasn't ready for that. Jeez. Not for a single game. Not not for a first round game. Yeah, it's that's that's astronomical. I gotta admit that, man. Thanks for coming on. Like I said, it is always a treat, always a pleasure to have you on because you're a walking Cleveland Cavaliers the source, uh, just full of knowledge. And you, you know, you teach me something new. You teach the listeners something new every single time. Uh, you know, check Zach out on Twitter. You know, either at Across the Cavs, you know, the Twitter handle, or just Zach Weiss. Uh, you know, great baby. This man knows his Cavs basketball. That said, as we always tell you guys, you know what to do. If you'd like to be added to the Cavalier exclusive Discord chat, leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we'll send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. <laughs>